John chapter 10, verse 1. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but he will, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things that he spoke, which he spoke to them. You know, the Lord is setting the table here. We know that there's more in the chapter. He's setting the table for a good practical lesson with verbal illustrations. And, uh, you know, in talking with uh, maybe a new believer or someone who's new in teaching uh, and just talking to them about, Hey, uh, you know, where, where would I, you know, there, there's that question and I've, I've had it recently with a brother of, you know, I don't really know where to start and, you know, them praying and, and, and the Lord leads them, uh, oftentimes. And it was my first book that I, I taught on was, was the book of James, very practical because James is, uh, James is, uh, gospel, not gospel, his epistle, um, really talks a lot about our everyday life. And uh, and the Christian, uh, what it is to live as a Christian and to be a Christian. Uh, so those the and, and he gives a lot of uh, illustrations about you know the power of the tongue that you know what we say can set on uh, a forest fire on fire and you know all those things and you know you can bridle such a big powerful animal as a horse by using a little bit in their mouth to turn them and those things those those verbal illustrations. So the Lord is is using an illustration of a sheep shepherd, and he talks about a thief and a robber, doorkeeper. There are a lot of, a lot of different characters introduced here, uh, but he, you know, he's using teaching aids, and uh, it's, it's important uh, for us if we're, if we're trying to reach somebody uh, to be able to reach them on their level. If, if we grab somebody and we're trying to explain to them, uh, you know, hey, you're a sinner and you need a savior, and we get right into um, some people, it's going to reach them on, you know, protons, neutrons, atoms, and everything. You're going to lose me in three seconds, and I'm going to go uh, do whatever uh, in my mind and, and nod my head and go, that was great. Being able to meet people where they're at and be able to communicate with them. The Lord is speaking and he's using a very simple illustration, but we see that they don't understand what he's saying. The Lord says that a thief and a robber, he you know, brings those up, and you know those are always known as bad things in every sense of the word. Whenever you hear thief and robber, we instantly think bad, right? And and because they are, you know, those that would force entry in to uh, take something or do something, and uh, you know we don't enter our home through a window, you know we don't we don't you know rip the roof open and and come down. Uh, through and uh, you know anybody who does is usually not welcome and uh, if somebody comes through our window uh, we can automatically assume and uh, rightly so that they are a threat to us you know if somebody's welcome in my home they're going to come to the front door and knock on the front door um, here in Maine we never use our front door do we the, the door that's facing the road is never the front door. Um, you know, our front doors usually are like around the back or on the side, but the, it, it's pretty well known when you look at a house. But if somebody comes to my house and I see them starting to climb in my window, they're going to be greeted differently than they would be greeted if they knocked on my front door. It might involve steel in my hand. <laughs> We're, we're not going to greet that person well. Why are you climbing in my in, in my window? You know that that. So when the Lord says that when the shepherd comes, the doorkeeper is only going to open the door for the shepherd, and anybody else who would come in the window or or in some other way is not welcome, and and the sheep are not going to listen to them. You know, it, when when the Lord brings in uh, a character for us to look at, the doorkeeper. You know, the, you've got. Uh, the shepherd of the sheep, and and uh, you know the doorkeeper is the one to make sure that only the shepherd is the one that has access. Now, in some cases, there wouldn't even be a door. The doorkeeper would be the shepherd. But uh, uh, in the case of uh, so, I used to work at a farm, and uh, I uh, worked with my buddy uh, David Lehman. Uh, we worked at a horse farm, and uh, we're uh, 
you know, our responsibility was to, you know, clean stalls and do all the dirty work and everything like that. But we'd also, if somebody arrives, we need to you know, greet them. And but we're not going to, you know, these are these are show horses. You know, some of them three hundred thousand dollar horses. You know, it's my responsibility to make sure that people that uh, I was 17, 18 years old and I didn't really think of that. But I knew if somebody came, hey, don't let somebody take Virgil. He's a national champion horse. You know, I'm only going to let people in there that are supposed to be in there. Uh, and that's it's, it's a uh, lesson in responsibility. So only the shepherd should be the one uh, that's allowed in there. Anybody else uh, we could consider uh, a wolf or at least a, per, uh, a perceived threat. So um, uh, unfortunately, if you and I'll, I'll get into this later, but uh, uh, many uh, in within Christianity are OK with a wolf leading them. Uh, and uh, we're going to get into that. And that's it's horrifying to think. That uh, that's where uh, present-day Christianity is at, not even being able to identify the fangs that are that are looking and the drooling that's happening, um, unfortunately. But the true shepherd calls a sheep by name, and he knows them personally and intimately. The Lord says, "He says, and to the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep he, uh, bring, and he when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice." You know, and it says earlier in verse three that he calls his own sheep by name and leads them, that he knows them well. So uh, as a shepherd uh, is is leading, the sheep are um, ready to hear his voice and uh, he uh, knows them and they know him. And the Lord says, you know, they're not going to follow somebody else. So one who doesn't care is just going to go, hey, I got 100 sheep here. Don't really care their names. Don't care anything like that. Uh, I'm just I'm here to do my job and uh, I'll, I'll do it to the best of my ability to a point. Uh, but, you know, should anything else come up, I'm not really going to be all that worried about it. The shepherd's going to have a different approach and uh, they're going to uh, be at a point where they're willing to defend the sheep. And it says that they're they go out before them and lead the sheep. Now, the sheep, uh, they're the ones that would trust in and rely upon a shepherd for provision guidance protection so uh, as as we're looking at different characters within what's being presented here now the lord talks about the voice you know the sheep listen for the voice of the shepherd you know the the sheep follow him because they know his voice and uh, he leads he brings them out and he goes before them and he leads from the front he doesn't say hey go over there sheep aren't that smart you know they're they're gonna wander and uh, they, that's why they need a shepherd. There are a few of us that have sheep in here, right? Kathy, you have sheep. Does anybody else have sheep? No? I remember Noah. Noah being upstairs, and Noah was able to tell us about some sheep. It was really cool because we were doing a study on, on sheep and everything. And it might have been, you know, uh, the, the lost sheep, or I, I don't know. And um, I can't remember exactly. But just to sit and to listen to this kid, I'm, I'm intrigued because I've spent very minimal time around sheep. Um, but just listening to how he how he uh, interacts with these sheep and everything, so I just kind of kind of at that point kind of let him. Hey, why don't you why don't you talk with us and everything? Noah's a quiet kid. He doesn't he doesn't speak up a whole lot. But man, was he excited when it came to sheep, and he was able to share with us uh, that he understand he knows these sheep by name. And he's like, yeah, when we lost one, and and he's he's talking about these things, and he understands how a sheep works. A shepherd knows the sheep, and they know the tendencies. So these these three are going to fall in line. I got to keep my eye on this Yahoo because he likes to go off and you know do whatever, right? So he knows their names, but these sheep are only going to follow him because they know his voice. They know that specific voice. So when he leads them out, uh, he just has to say something, and they're all going to follow him uh, because they know specifically know his voice. And it says that the he used this illustration, but they didn't understand. Now. I was struggling with when to show this, but Casey, if you have that ready, I've asked him to, uh, so I apologize for anybody who's watching, but um, we're about to watch a two-minute video about uh, people who are not the shepherds calling sheep and people that are the shepherds calling sheep. So uh, it's two minutes, so I apologize for anybody. It's going to be kind of a two-minute uh, session where you're just kind of looking at me turned and looking at the screen. But this is a very powerful lesson to understand how sheep operate. So whenever you're ready, brother, go ahead. We have no sound. <laughs> One more time. Please get a sound. 
Thank you. So, just a, a, a very powerful lesson. These, he he knows these sheep. You notice there was there was like one that kind of raised his head, like you know you know what's going on. With, you know that, that I don't. I'm anyways. I probably there's one that's looking like yeah right. You know, and and uh, as soon as his voice gets his voice goes out, you start seeing sheep's head come up, and then they start responding, and then there's like. Sheep coming from everywhere. It looked like there were maybe twenty sheep, and then there's like ninety of them that run and they sw- they they like swarm where he's at, but he's on the other side of the of the fence. When he gets in the fence, you notice he starts walking and he's leading them, and they're following him. He's a good shepherd. Those sheep know his voice and they follow him. And uh, it, it, as the Lord is is breaking this down, he he presents that illustration uh, to those uh, around him. And uh, they're not understanding it. So now, you know, he he's, he's, uh, takes it to a different level. Verse 7 says, uh, Then Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who have ever come before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. So after using the illustration and the listeners didn't understand, Jesus is now identifying identifying himself as I am the door. Remember the seven I am statements. This is one of them. I am the door. And what does a door do? It stands between the sheep and the world. It's it's something that that keeps the sheep in and it keeps the world or you know potential uh, threats out. And and so that's how that door serves. And when the Lord says, I am the door, it's an exclusive claim. He doesn't say, I am a door. He says, I am the door. I am the door. I've shared, uh, I think last week, 1 Timothy 2, 5. There's one God, one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, right? He's, he's the door. Uh, there's one, uh, John 14, 6. I am the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. Very exclusive. He, there's one way to God, and it's Jesus Christ. The way, the truth, the life. Uh, it, it, and Jesus makes those very bold statements. And he, he brings in, uh, he says, if anyone enters by me, he will be saved. So the, the conversation went from let's talk about sheep to him unveiling to them that that was actually a spiritual conversation. And they, they, they weren't comprehending that. There were oftentimes that the Lord would speak of spirit, in you know, spiritual context. And the crowd didn't understand it. They're spiritually blind to what was happening. And so he, he brings it in uh, to a different level in verse 9 where he says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go out and find pasture. Now, uh, go, uh, go in and out and find pasture. That, that once somebody has experienced salvation, that they have, they have accepted Christ into their lives, they're now going to find that pasture. 
Now, what does a sheep go out for the pasture for? You know, they've got the freedom to roam to a certain degree. You know, go here or there. Not to go outside a specific spot because there's danger. They have the peace. They can just sit quietly, eat, and uh, be sustained. And, you know, the Lord's providing sustenance, uh, you know, for our souls. Verse 8, it says, All others who were there uh, to steal... Uh, to, uh, he doesn't say this actually just said all others that uh, the Lord's bringing up that were there before him uh, came to steal they were uh, thieves and robbers but the sheep did not hear them now uh, Israel's being led by those who didn't, didn't truly care for the flock you know they saw them as a means for gain uh, a way to have control now how many times did the Lord correct the religious leaders and uh, just constantly uh, butting heads with them. And they were often offended at him uh, if there was a large crowd because, <clears throat> excuse me, they were afraid of them losing money and losing the power over their people. And uh, they were all, they saw Jesus as a threat in many different ways, and uh, but specifically in those selfish ways also. Now, if you, uh, a great glimpse into the heart of the Lord, if you go to Ezekiel 34, we're not going to turn there this morning. Um, but Ezekiel 34 is talking about irresponsible shepherds and then God the good shepherd, uh, or God the shepherd uh, is what you're probably going to see in your uh, in your Bible, the true shepherd. And to go through and you understand that a shepherd is responsible to lead and they're accountable in their leadership. And uh, you know, just because somebody can say, really within Christianity, especially what I noticed um, in my 20s, uh, when I was kind of new uh, in in any type of ministry, is especially at that age, it's like you know there there was it was weird to watch, and I just wanted to step away from it. But there was like this um, because the, the the youth pastor at our church over in Washington before he kind of uh, asked Jen and I to uh, to take it over was was kind of um, discipling a bunch of us, and he had a bunch of us uh, teaching and everything, and I could almost see there were weird looks coming from those that were my friend, like everybody wanted that title that they wanted to get to. I, I need this in my life and, and those things. So what it, what it becomes, and it, it can easily happen with anything. If I'm sitting here and I'm going, this is my church and uh, like that, I'm wrong instantly, you know, in that first statement, this is not my church. This is the flock that the Lord has called me to be here to lead and to be responsible for, uh, and to relay his word to. Uh, and, and to lead where he leads. But this doesn't belong to me at all. This is the Lord's, and I'm responsible for it. There's a, there's a danger uh, in, in desiring leadership positions that it can be that pride that comes up. And, ooh, then I can introduce myself as whatever. And, and that right there in and of itself is very dangerous. And uh, it's, it's a it's a it's nothing to be taken lightly. And when the Lord is correcting in Ezekiel 34, correcting the um, the shepherds, it's going to sound a little bit uh, very similar to what we're about to read in uh, Jeremiah 23, verses 1 through 6. And you'll get a, a, a glimpse at what the Lord uh, was saying even in, Eze in, um, in Ezekiel 34. But Jeremiah 23, verses 1 through 6 say, um, Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, says the Lord. Therefore, thus says the Lord God of Israel against the shepherds who feed my people. You have scattered my flock, driven them away, and not attended to them. Behold, I will attend to you for the evil of your doings, says the Lord. But I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the countries where you have driven them, and bring them back to their folds, and they shall be fruitful and increase. I will set up shepherds over them who will feed them, and they will they shall fear no more, nor be dismayed, nor shall they be lacking, says the Lord. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will raise up to David a branch of righteousness. A king shall reign and prosper and execute judgment and righteousness in the earth. In his days, Judah will be saved, and Israel will dwell in safety. Now this is his name by which he will be called, the Lord our righteousness. The Lord is talking about those shepherds that weren't doing their jobs, and God says, 
I'm taking over. These shepherds are not taking care of. They're not feeding the flock. They're not being provided for. They're not being led properly. God takes it. Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, understanding more of the heart of the Lord. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. You know, the, the Greek word for, uh, for pastor is shepherd. There's a responsibility that comes with this position or any type of position in leadership. Whenever, whenever you have that, understand that there's, and if we know that, we can look at the world and go, okay, grocery store, you got your, your front end workers, you got your baggers, you got your cashiers, and immediately you have your shift leader and you have your supervisors and you have your assistant managers and your managers, all with accountability to different levels. So this isn't foreign to us. Acts 20, verse 27 through 29. For I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Therefore, take heed to yourself and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. One more uh, reference at this point right here. Peter, who was the one that denied the Lord, we've, we've, we've studied that and gone through these things. When he was restored at the end of this, this gospel account of John, the Lord says, Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Feed my lambs. Feed my sheep. It's important that the church is properly fed is of utmost importance to the Lord. Peter got that lesson after he was restored, and he shares it. Later on in his epistle in 1 Peter 5, it says, Shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, not as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. There's an accountability to the Lord. It's of great importance that the flock is properly taken care of. You notice in Peter's, uh, those three verses we just read, 2, 3, and 4, it says, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly. Unfortunately, you can turn it on TBN, and uh, you can look, and uh, teacher after teacher after teacher uh, is uh, probably in a great suit, They've got the perfect uh, setting in their church, uh, and there's often going to be a message of prosperity, uh, of giving again and giving again, or, hey, did you notice my cool shoes and my watch and how, how neat and tidy I am? And what is lacking is the truth. The word is, is what's lacking. So as those things are, are lacking, the flock, the church, starts dying. There's, there's a spiritual decline in their relationship because those who are supposed to be leading them and pointing them to the word are telling them to care more about their pocketbook and everything else is going to be all set. They see the church as prey. And then what they do is they've got clever ways to do it. And they can, uh, uh, you know, I, I, and I'll just say out his, his, his name, Joel Osteen. I remember being in an um, uh, um, airport and I'm reading and he, he's, you know, he's a good-looking guy. He's well-capped and everything. And I think it was his life, your his book, Your Best Life Now. And I just realized that the man who has argued, I think it might be the biggest church, one of the biggest churches, it's alarming to know that so many would sit under a man that is taking advantage of them. Multi-multi-millionaire. He's got private jet. He's got all, all these things available to him. All these things. Does he see the flock as a group of sheep that he is responsible for leading, or is he lining his pockets? I say that specifically about him because he won't acknowledge hell. He's a false teacher. Hell exists. Jesus Christ talked about hell in great length. And when you've got pastors 
that come after, shepherds that come after, they're like, geez, I don't know. Is there a hell? You know, I'm going to dance around that because it's not popular. It's not going to line the pockets. Unfortunately, uh, there are, are several, way too many, that see the church as an opportunity to gain rather than the, seeing the church as an opportunity to be blessed by the Lord and uh, to lead by the power of His Spirit through His Word and, and move forward in Him. And, uh, gain whatever. What can we take with us, right? The old cliche, you can't take the U-Haul with you. As you're going, you don't see the hearse drive, dragging that thing down Main Street in, in uh, you know, Ellsworth. It, it just doesn't happen. Verse 10. The thief does not come except for to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. The abundance comes in him. The abundance doesn't come. Uh, he, he may bless us in this life. Don't get me wrong. If we're blessed financially here and God has blessed you, awesome. You know, that's that's great. Honor him with whatever he's given you, great. I'm not saying that if somebody's got, you know, uh, whatever. The abundance in life, that, that true uh, fulfilling abundance comes from the Lord. Verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep, but a hireling, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. So as the Lord, as we move into this section, verses 10 through 13, the only reason a thief comes is, is to steal. You know, and that's what thieves do. Steal, kill, destroy. And Jesus says that he came that the sheep might have uh, life and might have it more abundantly. Understand that the life, the abundant life, uh, that uh, there was, uh, never mind, I won't even go there. Um, uh, <laughs> understand that he is our great reward. That he is the great reward that we're seeking after in our life. That as we get to know our Savior more, having a conversation with a couple brothers, and I don't remember the context of it, it was very evident, um, and they don't live here, they live out of state. It was uh, This was just in the past uh, couple weeks, and we're texting back and forth, and, and it was a, um, as we're having a discussion, it was kind of revolving, uh, somebody, uh, it was revolving around somebody who, it just can't, became apparent, and I just texted, like, we just need to pray that he actually needs to meet Jesus Christ. Because whatever the circumstance was, is it was evident that this person doesn't know who Jesus Christ is. Because as soon as we know who he is, then things change. Now, having a, a head knowledge and understanding, okay, this is what the Bible says about Jesus, that we, we all here understand that that doesn't mean that somebody is saved. But once they have actually met Jesus and had that personal uh, interaction with Jesus, nobody is the same. There's, there's, you can still, you still have the crossroad of whether we're going to follow him or not, but your life can never be the same because there, after we've had an interaction with Jesus Christ through the scripture and you get in there and like, wow, okay, so am I going to obey this man and follow him or am I going to reject him and go about my own way all the while as I'm rejecting, just getting that constant reminder of not supposed to be doing this, not supposed to be, you should be here, you should be here, you should be here. Think of a shepherd, right? They've got the the staff, right? Got the hook on the end of it, get over here. It has a hook for a reason. You know, they didn't, you've got the staff, you can whip that around and smack if you need to, but you have that hook to grab and pull them over here. This is the direction you're supposed to be going. It's great how the Lord doesn't, uh, doesn't, promise us you know longevity prosperity any of those things you know the world's treasures and money he just says he says here i uh, he says um i have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly one that we can actually have life indicating that we didn't have life before but once we have it in him then we have a life of of abundance in his spirit ministering and his word teaching us so the Lord is now identifying himself not only as the door, but as the good shepherd. 
And in declaring himself uh, the good shepherd, he's declaring that he's God. And uh, again, uh, I highly recommend you go and read Ezekiel 34. Uh, 33 is really good too, but 33 and 34, just to, to keep it in context, because 33 is dealing uh, with those that don't call out uh, when they're supposed to, and everybody gets caught off, off guard and gets attacked and, and loses their lives and everything. So that's a, it's, a, it's a great one uh, to read because it really does uh, lead up into uh, shepherding. So Jesus said that he's the good shepherd, and the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But a hireling doesn't care about the sheep. So there's there's two different mindsets. One that loves, knows. It says that he knows them by name and calls them out and that they follow him because they know his voice. The hireling doesn't care about the sheep. I was uh, I actually got uh, uh, actually on the way down here listening to Chuck Smith teach on this and he said that uh, there was a, a young uh, pastor that uh, that a church was kind of courting and they said, Hey, we want you to come be our pastor. So he went and he met with uh, the board of directors and, and they said, Hey, we want you to be our pastor. And remember pastor means shepherd, right? Um, we want you to come be the leader of this congregation. Okay, cool. Let's talk about it. And then it's like, and here are the rules for you. We don't want you to do this. We want you to do this. We don't want you to do this. We want you to do this. And we went back and he talked to Chuck Smith about it. And Chuck's like, I wouldn't take the job. Because what they want is a hireling. They want you to just be responsible for whatever they want to happen. They don't want a shepherd to come lead them. They want a hireling. So I had to share that. It, it's, it's too good because that the hireling, and, and the Lord uh, is explaining that the hireling will see a, sh a sheep, uh, sorry, see a wolf coming and just going to step out of the way. Look, I don't get paid enough. You, you guys can think of that, right? I don't get paid enough to care about this. It's only one sheep. I don't care. And uh, they're going to step right out of the way. And uh, it, the Lord says that the, and it leaves them defenseless. And the Lord says that the wolf will catch them and, and, and scatter them. Verse 14, I am the good shepherd. And I know my sheep and am known by my, this is one of my favorite chapters in the scripture because of this verse right here. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and I, and am known by my own as the father knows me. Even so I know the father and I lay my life down for the sheep. That's an incredible thing to read through there, that he is the good shepherd, that he knows us. And I've shared this before, so forgive the repetition, but it's so, it, it, don't just keep it in the context of me sharing it with the kids that God knows the numbers of hairs on our head. He literally does, every single one of us. He knows the numbers of, he knows us that well. He knows our attributes. You know, when the shepherd goes in and sees the whole flock, they're all mixed in. And, oh, that one with the ear that tips down a little bit. That's, I don't know, Joe's fat or whatever. I don't know. They've got all kinds of different names, you know, and they've, they've got these names. And uh, the, you come to, to know and love these things. Now, if a, a new shepherd uh, comes in with a good heart, they're not going to know the sheep yet. you got to spend time with the sheep. And they, they've got to get there, and, and the sheep have to get familiar with that person's voice. We watched on there. Somebody who just walks in and starts doing their own type of call, those sheep are just going to stand there and be like, yeah, dude, what? Or they're not even going to acknowledge it. But as soon as they hear the one that they know loves for them, cares for them, knows them, and, and takes it, uh, it keeps them safe and all those things, we watch them all come because they love the shepherd. And it was evident by the way he went out the shepherd love, loves the sheep. He goes out, he calls them, and he gets. He just has to go out and be with them. And he goes and he starts walking with them. I'm the good shepherd. And he says, you know, I, I know my sheep and am known by my own. He knows us. And uh, I, we, as Christians, need to become, if we're not, well accustomed to his voice, his word, and his ways. We have to. We have to understand. Because especially as new Christians – we can get to the point where we uh, are struggling with, oh, you know, what, am I supposed to be doing this or am I not supposed to be doing that and everything? The more we know the Lord, the more we know his word, those answers are going to come just because we're accustomed to the Lord's voice and him speaking to us. If if we're in, in our prayer life only offer, offering up, hey, Lord, here's this. Here's my list for today. Here's my list for tomorrow. Here, And we're just doing that instead of sitting and listening to him. And when we read his word saying, Lord, please speak to me, he will speak to us. Even though, I, and I've, I've talked to Jen recently 
Um, I had Friday off, and Friday morning I'm sitting there trying to read, and the dog wants to keep going in and out. Now the bunny needs to be fed, and the cat wants to go in and out, and all these things. And, and it just, I have to pray and say, Lord, you know all these things are going on. Because it, it doesn't matter. If I get up at 4 in the morning, I get up at 6 o'clock in the morning, the, uh, the farm is awake, and I don't even have a farm, but it feels like I do, you know? And there's all of those things, and it's it's. It, but I have to just sit and say, Lord, please speak to me, and, he, and He's faithful to do so. We need to be able to hear His word, hear His voice. <clears throat> not going to be able to follow one another when we know truly know the Lord. Uh, sorry, not going to be able to follow another uh, when we uh, truly know the Lord. And He says, "As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay my life down for the sheep." It's another claim to his deity. You know, another time of him prophesying, he's going to lay his life down. And when he says this here, he's talking about sheep. And understand, in this culture, you know, shepherd's kind of the lowest of the low. I mean, you're you're dealing with with sheep and everything. Uh, you're really kind of a nobody. It's not like you know, you're uh, hey, you know, head shepherd's got the new Nikes on and everything like that. No, shepherd, you know, probably the stinky one. Um, you know, coming through and, you know, they've always got this going on and, you know, clothes are probably not, you know, designer clothes and everything. They're the shepherd. Their job is to be attending, attending to sheep and, and being outside and all those things. But they very much understood uh, what a sheep meant in their, in their culture. And that um, even specifically Yom Kippur, the day of atonement, where the spotless lamb would be offered, uh, for the sins of, of all Israel. It had to be a spotless lamb. And when Jesus is talking about being the shepherd, and, and then he goes and he says, I lay my life down for the sheep. That the spotless one, who's also the shepherd, is also the lamb. It's, uh, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Verse 16. And other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, that they, they will hear my voice, and they will come. Uh, so they will be one flock and one shepherd. So the Lord is uh, talking about Gentiles, those who are not Jewish. And oftentimes, when anybody was trying to address a Jewish crowd, as soon as Gentiles got brought up, everybody's offended and they're ready to fight because no, they're the cursed ones. We're the blessed ones. Uh, and the Lord is saying here that He has a different plan. And uh, it involves the Gentiles as one flock, one shepherd. Uh, Galatians 3, verses 26 through 29 says, For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Acts 13, verses, verse 42, and then it skips to 45 and 49. So when the Jews went out of the synagogue, the Gentiles begged that those words might be preached to them the next Sabbath. That, you know, as the gospel was being preached, the, the Gentiles weren't allowed to hear. But when once the Jews left, the, the Gentiles are begging. Verse 45, but uh, so after a little bit there, it says, but when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy. Wait a minute. We're the only special ones. And contradicting and blaspheming, they opposed the things spoken by Paul. Then Paul and Barnabas grew bold and said, it was necessary that the word of God should be spoken to you first. But since you reject it and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, Behold, we turn to the Gentiles. For so the Lord has commanded us. I have set you as a light to the Gentiles, that you should be for, be for uh, salvation to the ends of the earth, uh, quoting Isaiah 49, verse 6. Now when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord, and as many as had been appointed to eternal life, believed and the word of the Lord was being spread throughout all the region. You know, the Lord just lets Israel know, yes, you are my chosen people, but I'm going to through you uh, bless the whole world. Remember all the way back to Abraham that they, they were always focused on the, that the promise was that the families of the earth would be blessed through Abraham's seed. 
not just those uh, that 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 were of his actual physical lineage, but those uh, that that uh, that everyone in the earth would be blessed from him. Verse 17, therefore, my father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down myself. I have the power to lay it down and I have the power to take it back again. Take it again. This command I received from my father. The Lord states here that the, you know, the father loves him and that he will lay his life down and he has the power to take it back. That he has the power over sin and death and uh, that he has the command of the father. Now, the Lord in his resurrection and his ascension puts the stamp on everything that he said. It's easy to make bold statements, but to actually fulfill them and back them up, he was the only one that could. Revelation 5, I've got uh, six verses here from Revelation 5. Verse 5 says, But one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah. The root of David has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. And I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne and of the four living, uh, four living creatures in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as though it had been slain. Lion of the tribe of Judah, lamb that had been slain. Having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into the earth. Then he came and took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. Now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each having a, a harp and golden bowls full of incense, uh, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals, for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation, and have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. That he lays his life down, and that there were going to be some that were from not of the flock. Verse 19, all the way back in John chapter 10. Therefore, there was a division among the Jews because of these sayings. And many said, he has a demon, and he is mad. Why do you listen to him? And others said, these are not the words of a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? So there's division again. We see that throughout uh, the book of John. And we've discussed it several times. Just understand uh, that there's always division at the name of Christ. There's always the division. Even to this day, when we read that there, we can understand that to the name of Christ. At the name of Christ, there's a division. There's an encouragement to us uh, in the scripture to stand firm in him and rejoice. You know, the Lord said you know, to rejoice in persecution and rejection in his name and great will be our reward from him. He has a great reward for us. So here are the crazy man accusations coming out again. And uh, others are calling out the accusers saying, how can you call this man crazy? He's he's the works that he's doing. You know, Jesus's works and deeds uh, aren't the works of a demon. And they're absolutely correct. When we consider that we're discussing the good shepherd, we got some people saying he's a demon, he's a fake, he's a fraud, you can't listen to him. And some others are saying, no, look what he's doing. Look at the ministry that he has. Look at the fruits of the ministry that he has. Jesus had just said, I am the door. I am the one that stands between the sheep and the world and for anyone that would come to hurt them or harm them and to keep them from getting out and, and maybe wandering off and getting hurt or whatever. The setting here is the Lord is talking about being the door and being the good shepherd. David was a shepherd and he wrote Psalm 23 and I'm going to read Psalm 23 here in a moment written by David who knew what it was to be a shepherd and to be a sheep, a child of God. He was, he was used to being on both. He understood both sides of it. That just because I'm a shepherd and I'm leading sheep doesn't mean that I'm also not a shepherd, uh, not a sheep of, of God. And David was good at his job. Remember when, uh, when Goliath was out running his mouth and uh, uh, nobody dared to go fight him. David goes and he approaches Saul after his dad sent him to bring some food and kind of find out what's going on with his brothers on the battlefield, David gets there and he goes and approaches Saul and says, 
I, 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 I'll go fight him, you know, and, uh, and, and Saul's, you know, kind of doing the sanity check on him. Like you, young David is going to go fight, you know, this, this big behemoth of a man. You're, you're ready to go do that. And David goes and he tells them, tells Saul that he had killed lion and bear when they had taken the sheep. That David understood my job was to protect those sheep. And not only did he attack them, he says that he killed them. A lion and a bear. That's pretty intense. He knew his job. He took it very seriously. He understood what it was to be a shepherd and what he was responsible for. And he didn't take his job lightly. He wasn't like, yeah, dad's got 107 other sheep over here. He's probably not going to miss one. You know, I can just do the whole bean count and say, yeah, they're all here, dad. You know, whatever. No, when they're getting, you know, David, it was, it was, you're stealing from me. Because he loved the sheep. He knew them by name. They knew his voice. And he lo he, he had a, uh, a, a love and uh, that, that intimate knowledge of them. Psalm 23 and it should be coming through here, or you can turn to it. It's only uh, verses 1 through 6. Written by a man who had been a shepherd. He says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Remember, the Lord said, I, I have come that I would give them life, and they would have it more abundantly. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. This is the abundance. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That is a sheep that understands the love of a shepherd. That David, who's a king, understands and he's willing to put himself in the place of a lowly sheep and identify himself as a sheep. The Lord is my shepherd. The, the Lord is the one. When he, when he starts talking about he makes me to lie down in green pastures, uh, the, to uh, leads me beside the still waters and restores my soul, leads my leads me in the path of righteousness for his namesake. Now, though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Those sheep that we just watched that shepherd will follow him wherever. And he will go before them and make sure that they're safe, that they're provided for, they're in the place they need to be. Uh, if there's one that needs correction, he'll bring them back. And they, they fully trust, and they know his voice, and he knows them. It's a, it's a great arrangement. We have the same available to us in Christ. If we understand who the good shepherd is, and if we're attuned to his voice, there's a lot around us that can bring confusion, chaos, everything, and we get scared, and we want to flail around and get to a point, I have no idea what just happened with that. Uh, we can flail around um, and uh, get to a point where we're, we're lost, we're scared, or whatever. But we have to understand that in God, we're no longer wandering. You know, we're in the good shepherd's hand. And there's nobody that can, uh, and this gets into this a little bit more, but we're, we're out of time. We'll, we'll get into it next week. But understand that the good shepherd is there. He's protecting us. You know, that the Lord, when he says that there's abundance in him, that abundance in forgiveness and restoration, fulfillment, peace, love, um, as we know his voice, we're going to understand how he speaks to us, each individually. He speaks to our hearts. He speaks to me different than he might conger or Lou Ray or any of us here he he'll, he knows how to how to minister to each one of us individually he knows us that well we're not that small and him that big that he doesn't know us because for Jesus Christ to make that statement that the god of all the universe how many times have we heard those around us say yeah well god probably doesn't care about little old puny old me it's totally the opposite not only does he care about you he knows you more intimately than anybody else and he wants you to know him that well also. It's that relationship that he knows us and we know his voice and we're only willing to follow him. 
The more we read, the more we listen to him and spend time with him, the better we're going to know his voice, the stronger we're going to be in our walk. It's when we neglect those things that we that we uh, start uh, you know, fumbling around in our faith. You know, We'll grow in our faith as a result of being with him. We just need to know the shepherd and not follow anybody else. And we'll, we'll get into a little bit more of that later. But the scene does shift uh, quite a bit from verse uh, 21 uh, to verse 22. Uh, he still is talking about the sheep, but there are months in between uh, what's happening uh, in verse 21 and, and verse 22. So as we see here, uh, there are um, those that hear the Lord because they know his voice and those that don't hear because they don't know him. And that's a whole that can get into a whole different conversation of uh, predestination and all those things. The important thing is, is if we hear His voice and we follow His voice, we know we're chosen because we've accepted Him and we're walking with Him. If we don't, the conclusion can come to you don't know Jesus, do you? And then have the conversation, and if they've at least at least been introduced to Him, and then we can share, and and then they have their own choice of what they're going to do with Him. So we'll pick up in verse twenty-two next week. Will you all stand with me and we'll pray? Father, we are so blessed to have such a good shepherd. To have a door that protects us. That keeps us where we need to be. The shepherd that leads us as we leave and as we go out. And Lord, that you provide an abundance of life in you. That as we know you and we trust you and we follow you, the blessing that we have in you, that you are our great reward. Our world wants to be, especially in this country, wants to be so focused on the material thing that we can possess. It's so much more than that in you. Praise your name, God. We thank you. We love you. Lord, help us to be about hearing your voice, knowing you and following you and you alone. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.